Hello and welcome to Connect Points podcast and sermon archives. If you'd like to learn more about our church, please go online to our website at connectpointupc.com or follow us on our Facebook page. Thank you very much and I hope you enjoy this week's message. God bless. In the house of God tonight, turn with me in your Bibles this evening. Do, you, do we still bring Bibles in 2020? All right. 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. Amen. It is an honor to be able to speak the word of God to you guys tonight. So here we go. Reading the first verse, it says, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. It says, preach the word and be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. But then it says, but watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry, for I am now ready to be offered in the time of my departure is at hand. And the famous verse that we've all read before, it says, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course and I have kept the faith. With the help of the Lord, and I want to preach a very simple idea. Hold on. There's a better day coming. Amen. Give, a, give your neighbor an air five and tell him it's good to see him in the house of God today. And you may be seated. God bless you. A few of the key verses from that passage of Scripture that we just read was in verse number 5, where it says, But watch thou in all things, and it says, Endure afflictions. Amen. 2020 has been insane. Can I get an amen from someone here tonight? All right, we got that all clear there. But then he says, I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course, and I have kept the faith. And I just wanted to preach this simple topic tonight on holding on, there's a better day coming. So my question's got to be tonight, have you ever just had a really bad day? I'm talking just from the time you woke up to the time you went to bed. I was sharing with Brother TJ a few weeks ago. Uh, I woke up one day, I was leaving, I left my house early for my business, and I do a lot of traveling for my business, and I was leaving my house, and uh, normally when I go on these long road trips, I have a routine. Do you guys have routines? Raise your hand if you have routines. Most of us here are all right, wonderful. Well, I have a routine. It's not a very healthy routine, mind you, just before I get going any further. My wife might learn about it today. No, I'm just kidding. But I always, when I have a long road trip, I always stop at quick trip first in the morning, okay? Whether I need gas, thank you. Amen. Thank you. These altars are open. No, I'm just kidding. But so I, I, I usually stop at a quick trip and I grab a Long John donut because I like donuts and I grab a water typically or a Mountain Dew depending on the day. Doesn't, I'm just saying. We're out of control already. We're out of control. Um, but so I grab, I usually grab my donut and then I just hit the road and I put a podcast on and get some, I do some driving and things like that. But one day the Lord spoke to me when I woke up and he said, don't go to quick trip, get a bag of carrots and some fruit. So I did that. I was like, I'm going to be healthy this day. And I, I remember I, I grabbed the bag of carrots and the fruit and I take it in my car with me. I have my bottle of water and I'm like, I'm going to do it healthy today. 
And so I was traveling to Hutchinson, which is about an hour, hour 15 away or so from Mankato. And I get to about, I don't know, 10 minutes from Hutchinson. I get a call from my wife being like, hey, where are you at? And I'm like, she knows I'm driving. She knows I'm gone. She's like, you're here, right? I'm like, no, I'm gone. I'm, I'm close to Hutchinson. She's like, well, your wallet's here. And I'm like, oh, the one day I try to be healthy, I get, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But, but I remember I, as I was getting close to Hutchinson, I was super irritated by the fact that I left my wallet back home and my whole day was basically shot at that point. And, uh, you know, Sister Mooney, if you guys know Sister Mooney, there's a saying that they always say about, or she says, always wake me for a rainbow. And I was telling Brother TJ, never leave your house without a donut. You know what I'm saying? And so I feel like it's kind of the same principle behind that. But we've all had bad days, right? We've all been there before. 2020 has been just a bad day after a bad day after a bad day. And we're almost through 2020. But God's been good through all of it. Amen. Amen. So we've all had those days where it's been kind of rough. And so, uh, you know, there's a better day coming. That's all I got to say. Just because one day is bad, there's another day that's coming. We find in Genesis 26 a story here, one of my favorite stories in the Bible here, verses 12 through 15. It says, Then Isaac sowed in that land, and he received in the same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. And the man waxed great and went forward and grew until he became very great, speaking of Isaac. It says, for he had possession of flocks and possession of herds and great store of servants, and the Philistines envied him. So the enemy was envying him. And it says in verse 15, for all the wells which his father's servant had digged in the days of Abraham, his father, the Philistines, the enemy, had stopped them and filled them with earth or dirt. And so you you, you read this passage of scripture and you're realizing that the Lord is blessing Isaac tremendously right now. He obviously has an amazing father named Abraham. And the things we know about Abraham, if you read the book of Genesis, a lot of uh, Genesis talks about Abraham. And when we first hear about Abraham, he was 70 years old. He was, he was called by God to leave his country, to leave his family, and go to the land that he was, he was going to show him. He had no idea where he was actually going to be going, but God said, just go and I'm gonna, we'll take care of it. You see, God made three promises to Abraham. He said, I'm going to give you land of your own. You're going to be, and you'll be made into a great nation and also a promise of blessing. And so Abraham, the father of Isaac, was promised all these things. You, you keep on going through the story of Abraham. He was married to Sarah, and they were childless for a while. And in the time of the Bible, in, that, in those days, if you did not have a child, it was a very shameful thing to be. But then all of a sudden, God blessed Abraham and Sarah with a son named Isaac. And you see, here's the thing with this. After the, the amount of long suffering that they had, had to do with not having a child and not getting a child, and all of a sudden they get their son, Isaac, God says, I'm going to test you, Abraham. He says, Abraham, you know what? Go up this mountain, and when you get there, I want you to sacrifice your son. And of course, we, if you know this, uh, the story there, Abraham obeys the, 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 uh, the scriptures or the, the commandment from God. And he gets going to that point. He takes his son Isaac to the area and he gets ready to sacrifice his son. And then all of a sudden the ram in the thicket was there and it, it saved everything. It was all good. We get to that point there where we realize that Abraham was a legend of faith. He was a man of faith. If he was getting ready to give up his only son saying, you know what, God, if that's what you're wanting me to do, wanting me to do I'm going to do it. The thing about Abraham is this, he uttered no prophecy. He did not write any, any of the books of the Bible. He did not sing any songs that they were uh, talking about. He, he didn't give any laws. He did not accomplish anything amazing in that sense right there. But yet you go into Isaiah where it says that he calls him a friend of God. 
He says he was a faithful friend of God in Isaiah 41. And it's so interesting to me that a man that did not do anything what you would call significant whatsoever, all of a sudden God is saying he was a friend of God and he was the father of the faithful. And so you realize that's the lineage that Isaac is understanding. He is growing up with a father that is faithful. He's growing up with a father who understands that God is truly on the throne and I'm going to give my life to God. That's what Isaac is growing up under. You go into verse 15 and it says, For all the wells which his father's servants had digged in the days of Abraham his father, the Philistines, the enemy, had stopped them and filled them with earth. And so when you get to that point of Scripture, if you're just going to be reading it quick, you might not catch it there. But it's, it's an interesting portion of Scripture because uh, when you put behind the idea of who, I, uh, who Abraham truly was and what the significance was to Isaac, and you realize that all of a sudden the enemy comes into his family's land, so to speak, and starts filling up all these wells that Abraham had already dug, his servants had already dug, and all of a the enemy says, you know what, we're just going to fill these up. We're, we're, we're very envious of what's going on in your life, Isaac, and all that. And so you read that, and you're like, man, they're destroying his own family's lineage, the legacy that behind them and how these wells had fed or who had watered the, the cattle and the herds and things like that. This well of living water was there. And here the enemy comes and all of a sudden before you know it, they are completely not there any longer. The enemy has come in. They buried the wells, the living water, the water that was sustaining for life. You see, that never happened while Abraham was, uh, was alive. While Abraham was alive, the enemy was not trying to do that. But all of a sudden, Abraham has passed away, and Isaac is now going there, and all of a sudden, they do that. The wells that were life, they were life to the cattle. They were life to the people. At some point, the enemy gets incredibly envious and just decides, you know what? We're going to stop the living water from Isaac. We see Isaac's getting blessed and highly favored from God. We see the Lord blessing him, and the favor of God was all upon him, and God was just providing resource, and it says uh, he blessed him a hundredfold, saying that Isaac was being blessed incredibly. Then all of a sudden, the enemy says, it's time for you to get out of here. It's time for you to leave the land that you actually were, you were raised in, the land that you were staying in, the, 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 the land that your family had owned. All of a sudden, they say, it's time for you to leave this area. You go to that portion of Scripture, and you realize that Isaac was about to have a bad day. You realize he's leaving the place where, he, uh, where there was life, and there was all these things that are happening. He was leaving this area right there, and all of a sudden, they're saying, get out of this land. Now, we're going to fill up this, uh, the wells with dirt, and he, he was getting ready to have a bad day. Now, we can relate to this in the sense that God has blessed us tremendously, and can I get an amen for that? The Lord has blessed us tremendously, but that does not mean we won't have afflictions. That does not mean we won't fight battles. That does not mean we're going to have always a great and sunny day every single day of our life. It does not mean that whatsoever. But all of a sudden, Isaac here was getting blessed by God. And the next thing you know, he's out of his land. The next thing you know, he is just gone. He's in the valley, and he's in a tent, it says, in verse 17 through 18. And Isaac departed thence, and he pitched his tent in the valley of Gerar, and he dwelt there. He's in a valley now. It says in verse number 18, And Isaac digged again the wells of water which they had digged in the days of Abraham, his father. For the Philistines had stopped them after the death of Abraham, and he called their names after the names by which his father had called them. So here we have Isaac. He's in the valley, and he says, you know what? I might be in the valley, but I know the Lord's blessing me. And so he goes out there, and he starts digging again the wells of water, the same identical places his father and his servants had done before in years past. He starts digging through that. He gets to the point where he actually finally hits the water, the living water, the, the, the sustaining water there. And he keeps on going, and he hits that, and it's a, it's a miracle. It's a, we thank God for that, right? But here's what Isaac knew. 
He understood the power of elders in his life. He understood the power of a legacy, a traditionalism behind his family. And he says, you know what? If it was good enough for my father, it's good enough for me. If it's good enough for my family from before, my mom and my dad, it's going to be good enough for me. And here we have Isaac. He's digging, this, he's digging these wells again. But what I find interesting about the story is the fact that he starts digging. Then he says, once he, di- once he actually gets to the point of water, it says he names him the same name of his father. And I, I, I wanted to kind of preach. This is not necessarily my point of my message here, but I want to make sure we all understand this. That the word of God is still true. That there is still one Lord, one faith, one baptism. There's still one way to be saved, to repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. This doctrine is not going away. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word shall never pass away. And so it's so important for us to understand that just because your father did it, you got to taste and see that the Lord is good. you got to get to a point where you say, I'm going to dig again the wells of my father because I see that there is a legacy. There is a promise. There is power in the wells. There is powers in the wells. We must not change the message, but we can change the method. We can change the method, but we cannot change the message whatsoever. I don't have it in my scriptures here, but in the very next verse, it says that Isaac started digging new wells. Folks, that's what should happen. The traditional is that when you read the scriptures, when you get uh, uh, solid in the word of God, it should get you to a point where you start seeing other things happen. You should start seeing other living water in your life. You should start being being able to dig other waters and other wells in your life because the word of God is true. The word of God is true. We must not forget our elders. We must not forget the faith that our elders have had in their life. We must not forget that whatsoever. Because here's one thing our elders know. I'm only 30 years old. But I have been around a lot of you my entire life. I realize this one thing. I have heard countless time after time from different elders in my life that said, just hold on. Just hold on. I know it may look bleak right now. It may, it may look like you're surrounded by the enemy. It may look like that, but just hold on. There's a better day coming because there are elders in this room today who have experienced loads and loads and they have experienced pain. They have experienced sickness, but they realize that they can get close to God. They realize if you can just hold on to faith, you can just hold on to God. God, you will realize there's a better day coming. There is a better day coming. Just keep on holding on to scripture. Hold on to the promise of God. But you got to hold on to what our elders are preaching and teaching in our life today. We must not forget our elders. Our elders have paved a path to get us to this point in 2020. The elders have spoken into our lives too many times for us to forsake our elders. We have elders like uh, Brother Kenneth Haney in our movement who has passed away. He expanded the vision of UPCI to go worldwide. He was training and equipping younger ministers for future growth. We have preachers and our elders in our life like J.T. Pugh whose writings and his preachings are going to live way past his time. And uh, one of his messages he preaches is the first night in hell, one of the, one of the most life-transforming messages for me. We have elders like Brother G.A. Mangan, who is praying hours every single day, who committed to knock every single door in his city. Every door in his city he committed to saying, you know what, I know they need this truth. I know they need this completely. We have a prophet like Brother T.W. Barnes. He spoke to his generation like never before. We could go listen. We could list so many people. So many people that we may know in our movement who have passed away, who are elders, who have spoke uh, amazing words to our generation. We can go on and on and on about that. But if we take it a little bit closer to home, 
We have a brother and sister Bjorklund who have spoken to my life so many times. We have elders like brother and sister Bjorklund who, who helped found this entire church we are sitting in today. They founded the help, they helped start this entire church and they got us to a point where we are today. And I wish to God they could have seen this building. I wish to God they could have been a part of some of these services, but it took the elders to pave the path to get to where we are today. We must not forsake our elders at all. We must not forsake our elders at all. We have elders like Brother Ellingson, who was a man who was just, he was a, a faithful man of God. He was a faithful man of God. And I'm, one of the most uh, touching moments in my life was when he was literally on, on, on his last days. I remember the church went to his home and we were there and my wife and I walked into the room with him and he just started praying with us. He, he shared some very encouraging words to us. And I just remember thinking that the man, he is getting close to the end of his life. But here's one thing he knew. Just hold on. There's a better day coming. No matter what you're going to face, just hold on. There's a better day coming. Hold on. There's another day coming. Hold on. Just hold on to faith. Hold on to the scripture. Hold on to the promise of God. He knew those promises right there. There are countless other men and women from our church who have spoken into our lives. If we could ask our elders a simple question of how did you persevere? How did you persevere through, uh, through the bad days to get to the good days? How did you persevere to get through sickness? And how did you get through pain and heartache and loneliness and depression and things? How, how did you do that? I feel like they would get us to a certain scripture. I don't feel like they would share their opinion with us. They might. But they would take us to John chapter 14, where it says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. In verse 2, this is where the promise is. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. I feel like our elders would be understanding that we must hold on because the better day is not tomorrow. The better day is when he calls his bridegroom home, when he calls the church home, and he says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And you get a dance on the streets of gold with the Jesus Christ. I feel like our elders would not be telling us, you know what, it's okay, you can go through another day. They would give us encouragement for that, but they would say there's a better day coming. They are not talking about next week. They're not talking about 2021. They are talking about the calling of our church home to heaven, where we belong in heaven with Jesus Christ. That is where they would be calling us. I realized quickly that our hope is not found in this present world. Our hope is not found in politicians. Our hope is not found in doctors. Our hope is not found in any of these, any of these sources. Rather, our hope can be found in the fact that he is going to prepare a place for us. He is going to prepare a place for us. Earth is not my home. I'm just passing through. Now listen, I struggled with this as a young adult. I really enjoy life. I really enjoy being around family and friends. I really enjoy it. I love it. But the older I get, I'm only 30. But the older I get, I realize quickly that simply this world is not my home. I realize that 
I'm a stranger in this world. I realized it was by the grace of God that I was able to hear the preach word of God. I believe it was by the grace of God that I could hear the Acts 2.38 message in my life. I believe it was the grace of God that he filled me with this Holy Ghost. I believe that strongly. And I realized that when all that happened, the Lord prepared a place for me. He calls heaven our home. We are just passing through right here. And so the simple message I have for us tonight is we got to hold on. We got to hold on because there's a better day coming. I don't know what kind of sickness you may be feeling today. There's a better day coming. I don't know what kind of financial problems you might be having right now. There's a better day coming. I don't know what's going on in your life, but let me just encourage us today. We don't have to look around at our circumstances around us, but we can lift up our heads. We can lift up our eyes and realize that we have a better day coming, and it's called home. It's called heaven where we can be called home to God. Better is one day. In his presence, in his courts, better is one day than a thousand elsewhere. If we can understand, if we can grasp that in 2020, if we can get to that point where we truly say, better is one day with God. Better is one day with him. It might be a bad day for me in the sense I might be going through some things, but better is one day with God. Our hope cannot be found in these earthly things. Our faith cannot be determined by our circumstances that we are facing right now because there is coming a day. There is coming a day. You find the scripture by the Apostle Paul in 2 Timothy 4, 7. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course and I have kept the faith. He did not say I did not endure afflictions because we know he was shipwrecked. We know he, we know he was stoned. We, we know all these things that happened to Apostle Paul. He, he didn't say it was this rose bushes and it was super sunny days. He was saying I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. And I'm here to tell us tonight, there's a better day coming. Just hold on. Just hold on with every single hand raised right now. Let's, I feel the spirit of God moving in the sanctuary. Heavenly Father, we thank you. God Almighty, I don't know what everyone's going through right now, but I know there's a better day coming. I know there's a day where there's no more pain and no more sickness. I know there's a day coming, my God, where you're going to call your church home to be with you. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, Jesus. First Thessalonians chapter 4, it says, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. That is our greatest hope right there. To be with the Lord for all eternity. That is the greatest hope right there. To be standing at the pearly gates. And so shall we be, ever be with the Lord. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. There is coming a better day. You go to the very next verse where it says, Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. These words should be comforting to a person that believes in God, who an apostolic Christian. These should be comforting. 
Now, one thing I realized quickly when I was younger, I just remember anytime they preached about heaven, I was like, man, I'm terrified. He might come when I'm sleeping, you know? But I remember when I was younger then, I remember hearing message after message about it. But I really do believe this is the end time church. I do believe that we're going to see that, the God, that God is just going to pour out his spirit upon all flesh. I believe we are the end time church. I do believe that with my, everything I got. But we do know the scripture says that no man knoweth the hour. That no one knows it. But when it says comfort one another with these words, this is not saying that we have all the answers. This is not saying that we have everything worked out where we're just, we're doing perfect. We have everything going great on our side. It is saying that we know the one who is perfect. We know the God of all the creations, the, the, the God of the heavens and earth. We know this God right here. So we should be comforting one another with the words that he is coming back for his church. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. And that is a promise from God. That is a promise with God. You go to Revelation chapter 21. It says in verse number four, And God shall wipe away all their tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. There is coming a better day. We must hold on in 2020. We must hold on with everything we got because there is coming a day where there will be no more pain. There will be no more heartache. There will be no more confusion, no more doubt. There is coming a day where he is coming back for his church. It is a promise from God. But we have to hold on. We got to hold on with everything we got because we must realize this. We are just passing through. We are just walking through this earth through every single day with one mission to get every person possible to understand the love of God. To get every person around us to understand that God truly loves them. Now, I realize where, where we are in society right now. I understand the things that are going on is just crazy. But I believe, I truly believe this, that God is coming back for his church. And I believe it is our job as Christians to share this love with every person we know. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words that God is coming back. It is not a scary thing. It is not a fearful thing. It is not a thing to be scared of whatsoever. But we are going to be called back home. We're going to be called back home. I realized quickly in my life, there's this, you know, you, life, you go through things, there's situations that happen. I was uh, preaching the youth service a few, uh, last week I think it was, and I shared with them my testimony and some of the things that God did in my life. And, you know, I realized at a young age that you have to make a decision. That you just can't live off the coattails of the elders. You can't live off the coattails of the people around you. And I remember there was a time in my life when I was 16 to 17 in that range where I really realized quickly that I had to choose what I was going to do with my life. I had, to, I, I had to come to a point where I said, you know what, God, I have ambitions to go here to do this, and I want to do this and that and all that. Now, keep in mind, I did not have any family who were ministers. I, I am the first minister of our family, and I thank God for that. But when God called me into ministry, I said, God, why are you calling me? This makes no sense whatsoever. And I remember that I got to a point when I was in high school there. Where I was like, okay, God, I'm either going to serve you or I'm not going to serve you. And I remember I got to the point, I was playing football at that time, and I had a big passion for that. And I remember I was playing at a practice field, and I got done with practice, and I was like, man, this does not feel right. 
I'm like, this is just not, I don't know what's going on. This seems weird. So I just quit the football team completely. I'm not going to the NFL anyway, just so we're clear. (laughs) Some people can preach that. I can't preach that. But I remember I left the practice field. I went home to my father, and I told him, you know, I said, you know what? I said, I said you know what, Dad? I'm, I'm ready to pursue my ministry. And, of course, at that point, that, uh, hearing the words pursue ministry in my family was a very foreign thing. I love my parents. I love my family to death. But when I said I'm going to pursue ministry, it was, a, it was met with some opposition. And I remember I was like, oh, this is getting crazy right now. But I had to get to a point where I said, I am going to follow God. I'm going to follow after him. I'm going to do whatever I can to, to submit myself into the word and get, get sold out to the word of God because I realize the word of God is never going to fail you. It's, it's, it's forever settled in heaven. It's true. But I remember I got to that point where I had to make a decision. And when I made that decision, I remember I ran up to Pastor Cox and I told him that. And I remember he just gave me a hug and I, we were so excited about it. But I went through some of the worst years of my life the next three years. And I remember it was some of the darkest days as a young person I could actually imagine. I remember I was going through so many dark days, and Brother Crane would come up to me at church, and, how's it going, brother? And I'm like, oh, it's going great. I remember I would just lie to his face in church. (laughs) I apologize, Brother Crane. But there were so many elders who were checking up on me, and I kept just saying, I'm good. I'm fine. It's going great. And things weren't going great. But I remember it was an altar call on 119 State Street. I remember I was on the left side there. And I remember I was in the towards the front. I remember I was praying and I just said, God, things got to change. I got to figure this out. And I remember I just felt the love of God just swarming me. Because at that point, I was in so much turmoil with family and other things around me. I remember I just felt the love of God just wrap his arms all around me. And I just started crying just uncontrollably. And Brother Crane and Brother Herbs came up to me afterwards, and we were talking about it. And I just remember them telling me that, you know what? We are just going through this. I remember I said, I've been lying to you. I, I've, been, I haven't been, I've been telling the truth. I started sharing some things with Brother Crane, and I remember telling these things, and I remember him just saying, hold on. I remember him just saying, hold on, brother. It's going to be all right. Hold on, brother. And I can tell you stories about Brother Bjorkland saying the same things to me, and Brother Allenson and Sister Bjorkland. I can go down the list of people who have encouraged me, but I'm here to encourage us tonight that it's time to make a decision for what we're going to be. We must hold on to what we're going to believe and what we're going to be going after. We must hold on to these things because heaven is coming. Heaven is coming. Heaven is coming. Heaven is coming. Oh, heaven is coming. We must get ourselves sold out to the word of God. It's time to get grounded in the word of God. It's time to get our lives completely sold out to God. Because there is a better day coming. There's a better day coming. I am so thankful for what God has done in my life. I'm so thankful for what God is doing in this church. There are so many lives that are being completely changed before our very eyes. There are miracles that are taking place in in the very midst of us. But when I realize how amazing it is that we are seeing people getting filled with the Holy Ghost and people being baptized and we're seeing all these wonderful things, I realize that it is a wonderful thing, but yet heaven is going to be so much better. I realize quickly that heaven is going to be so much greater. It's going to be so much better, but yet we must hold on. We must hold on with everything we got. We must not be confused by the enemy. We must not be hearing the the enemy saying that you're not worth it. You're not going to make it. You're not going to do it. We must not open up our ears for these type of things. We must not do that whatsoever. And God shall wipe away all their tears from their eyes. 
And there shall be no more death, neither sorrow, no crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. That is a promise from God. But growing up on 119 State Street, we used to sing a handful of songs in our, about heaven that, you know, sometimes we might not sing it all the time here. But some of the older songs we used to sing that at that time didn't mean a whole lot to me. But the older I get, I'm realizing quickly that I cannot wait for the day that the Lord comes. A song that we used to sing, it said simply, won't we have a time when we get over yonder? Won't we have a time when we get over yonder? One of my favorite songs to this day because I realize, won't we have a time? We're having a good time here. But when we get to the streets of gold and we get to see Jesus face to face. Oh, hallelujah. 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 It goes, won't we have a time when we get over yonder? Won't we have a time when we get over yonder? Oh, won't we have a time when we get over yonder? Oh, won't we have a time? Oh, won't we have a time? When we get over yonder, won't we have a time? When we get over yonder, won't we have a time? When we get over yonder, oh, my Jesus will be there. My Jesus will be there. My Jesus will be there. When we get over yonder, Jesus will be there. When we get over yonder. Sing it one more time. Oh, Jesus will be there when we get over yonder. Jesus will be there when we get over yonder. Jesus will be there when we get over yonder. Oh, won't we have a time? Amen. Do you believe that tonight? My Jesus will be there. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord, you're going to be there. When this thing is over, I'll fly away to our home on God's celestial shore. I'll fly away. right there. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. Amen. We sang one more song. When we all get to heaven. When we all get to heaven. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. 
What a day of rejoicing that will be when we all see Jesus. We'll sing and shout the victory. Oh, when we all Amen. One more time. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be when we all see Jesus. We will sing and shout the victory. Hallelujah. We are looking for that day where we can make heaven our home. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God bless you. You may be seated. When we all get to heaven, some glad morning, and won't we have a time? If I can encourage us this evening, church family, as we must hold on because there's a better day coming. We must hold on because there's a better day coming. We find a story in Matthew chapter 25, and I'm going to be closing. The story of the five wise and the five foolish bridesmaids. We find the story here that the bridegroom was starting to come. It's a parable here from Jesus. He starts to come, and the, the five wise bridesmen, they, re, they realize, you know what? It's getting evening here. we got to put a little oil in our lamp. And as the story goes, the five wise did that, and the five foolish did not. And all of a sudden, it says, at midnight, there was a cry being made known. A, just a cry at midnight. And all of a sudden, the bridegroom was there, and it was representing, of course, Jesus. And all of a sudden, the wise women, they decided they, they got their lamp out and they started to meet the bridegroom. They got to that point where they said, okay, we're ready. We prepared for this moment. And they start making their way to the bridegroom. And as the parable says, it says that the five foolish, they stopped them and said, hey, hey, wait, can you share some of that oil with us? And the wise people, they said, you know what? If we give you our oil, then we're not going to have anything to get to see him. And they said, how about you go to the store, go to the marketplace and go, go buy and trade some things and go get that. And they left. The five foolish left. And the five wise started making their way to the bridegroom. And as the story says, as the five foolish got their oil, they got to that point, it's midnight, it's dark out. And they realized quickly, they're like, oh man, we missed it. They had the oil and they had the lamp. They had everything they needed, but they were just a little bit late. And I feel like the Lord is beckoning us today. I feel like the Lord is trying to give us just a little bit of a heads up. We're seeing just earthquakes in diverse places. We're seeing so many things that are taking place before our very own eyes. We're seeing so many things happening. And I'm not here to preach a very uh, guilt message. I'm not doing that right now. But I feel like God is getting us to a point right now where some of us in this room today have been holding on with everything you had. I feel like there's people in this room right now that are holding on to life. And they're trying to get everything they possibly can, saying, you know what, I can do it another day. But your faith may be fading. Your faith may be just kind of wearing thin right now. 
I feel there's people in this room here where you know that God is real. And you know for a fact that he loves you and he cares about you. But your faith is starting to fade. You're thinking, I don't know if I can do it another day. I don't know if I can keep on trusting you. I don't know if I can keep on fighting this fight. And I just feel right now in the Holy Ghost, we can celebrate all day long about won't we have a time and we will have a time. But I just feel today that we must be ready for the coming of Jesus Christ. Because I want to hear the saying, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I want to hear him say that today. And so if I can encourage anyone here tonight is to hold on. Just hold on with everything you got. You may not think you could do another day, but just hold on. There's a better day coming. There's a better day coming. It's right around the corner. There's a better day coming. With every head bowed, you can stay seated for one moment. With every head bowed, just start praying to this place. Oh my God, right now there's people in this room that are holding on by just strings. They're just holding on by strings right now, my God. There may be sickness in their body. There may be depression. There may be anxiety. There may be things all around them they can't understand. But God, I know you're here right now to give weak, to give strength to the weak. To give strength to the weak. For when we are weak, you are strong, the Bible says. Oh my God, I feel the Holy Ghost moving right now in this room. I don't know who I'm talking to right now, but just keep on holding on. There's a better day coming. There's a better day coming. The last thing I'm going to read is this. And we can all stand. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, we read it already. But he says, But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, and do the work of an evangelist. Make full proof of thy ministry. Make full proof of thy ministry, for I am now ready to be offered. And my time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course, and I have kept the faith. If I can go back a few years and we can ask our elders, elders, speak to me today. What can you tell me? And as they're on the other side, as they've made heaven their home already, they can tell you right now that they fought a good fight. They finished their course and they kept the faith. They're going to tell you just hold on another day because there's a better day coming. There's a better day coming. With every hand raised right now across this sanctuary, the Spirit of God is moving in a mighty way, and I feel it. I feel it so strong. Thank you for listening to our podcast this week. We hope you enjoyed this message. Remember, if you would like to find out more information about our church or to contact us, please go online at connectpointupc.com. And also don't forget to subscribe in your podcast app so you will be automatically notified of new episodes. Thank you and we hope you have a great week.